Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now. And if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Reckless speculation from the TCL Broadcast Studios. You're listening to Mackie and Judd, TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. Now launching, Mackie and Judd. We get things rolling with the opening bell. Want to ring the bell? Archibald scores! Well, that's not going to ease anything. Well, I think they got that goal in the third, and they looked around and said, holy crap, we're in the game. Let's let's win it, because they hadn't been in a game in a long time. So they picked it up. They were playing for their young goalie, and we stood around and did nothing. And they score! Dubnik looked like he thought he had the puck, and the Coyotes have tied it. How close were you to, to maybe pulling Dubnik again after the third goal? I wasn't going to pull him tonight. He was going to be in for all of them. How are you concerned just coming off the last game to the way that those goals went in tonight? Um, well, I'm, I'm always concerned, but uh, I'm concerned by more than one one player at this point. Uh, um, uh, you know, there was a couple defensemen that were minus four tonight. Mm-hmm. Talking about making bad decisions and that. And-, and the building has gone silent after Minnesota dominated the second period, scored twice. Here's Archibald in. Dubnik sprawls, Archibald scores, and it's 4-3 Arizona. The Coyotes have scored three times here in the third period on seven shots against Dubnik. Well, I was hoping the Ottawa game would be the teaching teaching thing. This is just uh, uh, this is just given, not given up in, in the sense of given up, but I mean uh, taking everything for granted that you, you think you got things going and and you don't. I mean, it's uh, it wasn't. It, it was a horrible third period. We can't keep letting that stuff slip away. It's uh, these points are too important. It might not seem like a big deal now, but I mean, we know it is. It's, we need we need to set ourselves up here. We got to be able to come out for the third and play the same way we were in the second, and we just I feel like our emotion was gone, and uh, they just took it to us. You mentioned the defenseman. Do you go back to the other pair now? I don't know. We'll, we'll talk. Mm-hmm. That that was. Really unacceptable uh, for two veterans out there to be playing like that in the third period, though. Is that why Dumble was on the ice last uh, two shifts? Um, well, Bob was making the changes back there, and I haven't really have been doing a lot of pacing, haven't been doing a lot of talking to anybody at this stage. And you want to know why I won't buy into this team. And you want to know why people say, well, look, it's a different wild. I came close myself to saying that. 
let me present Manny Hill, Jonathan Harrison, and everyone listening out there who is a hockey fan, or maybe you're not. I don't really care at this point. But let me present Exhibit A as to why buying into your Minnesota Wild is impossible. Tuesday night, you just heard all the goals from the Coyotes in the third period and the sound bites at the XL Energy Center. The Arizona Coyotes, let me give you a brief tutorial on who they are. They have not qualified for the postseason in six years. They came into last night having won two of their previous ten games. They had seven shots on goal through two periods and one shot on goal against Devin Dubnik in the second period. The Coyotes, if you watched the game last night in the middle stanza, barely had the hockey puck. It was all wild, and they trailed by two goals after two. The Arizona Coyotes were dead in a lifeless building on a Tuesday night in what was an easy, the easiest two points a team like the Wild, if they're any good, can get. And somehow the Arizona Coyotes scored not one. Archibald scores! Well, that's not going to ease anything. Not two. And they score! Dubnik looked like he thought he had the puck. And the Coyotes have tied it. And the building has gone silent. But three. Minnesota dominated the second period, scored twice. Here's Archibald in. Dubnik sprawls. Archibald scores. And it's 4-3 Arizona. The Coyotes have scored three times here in the third period on seven shots against Dubnik. Yes, three goals in the third period by a horse bleep hockey team, the Arizona Coyotes, to beat the Wild 4-3. Devin Dubnik, your top goaltender, faced 14 shots, not in a period, ladies and gentlemen, but in an entire hockey game, and he lost. Matt Dumba and Jonas Brodeed were on the ice for every goal against the Wild. They were supposed to be playing defense for the home team. The fourth line, centered by a guy named Eric Fair, a veteran player who I have praised up and down because he's played so well since the Wild signed him during the offseason, was on the ice along with his line mates Nino Niederreiter and uh, and JT Brown for three goals against in the game. The Coyotes, it gets worse. It somehow gets worse. The Coyotes had put in a young goaltender named Aiden Hill for the third period because Antti Ranta, their ordinary or their goaltender, and he's very ordinary, was hurt. And the Wild had five shots on him. Five shots in 20 minutes against the team that had given up. Aiden Hill sounds like a character from Dawson's Creek, not a goaltender in the National Hockey League. Now let's get to the real problem of what we're seeing. Now we're not even close. We're going to get to the real problem of what we saw last night. November 17th, I enter in more evidence against the Wild. November 17th, the Wild has a 2-1 lead on a Saturday night at home again against the Buffalo Sabres with 7 minutes and 3 seconds left in the game. The Sabres are good. They've won 10 consecutive games, but you're supposed to be good too. They gave up two goals. In the last 7:03 of that game, and they lose three to two. More evidence against this team. November 21st, the night before Thanksgiving, the Wild leads a very ordinary, average to maybe bad Ottawa team four to one at home again after two. They then give up three consecutive goals that ties the score. Doomnik is lifted, clearly pouts about that, but it actually works. Eric Stahl scores the game-winning goal, and the Wild rallies to win that game. 
by a final of 6-4. to four. And then last night was the worst of all of these meltdowns and came after you got an impressive victory the day after Thanksgiving over the very difficult-to-play Winnipeg Jets. Of course, what we forget about that game, or what I forgot because it was such an impressive comeback, was the furious rallies had to come back from a 2-0 deficit after two to win the game. I had almost bought into this team. Thank God for last night because it took me, Manny Hill. It shook me by the shoulders and said, what are you doing, Judd? This is the Minnesota Wild. They ain't ever going to change. Aiden Hill beat you. You only got five shots against him. His own mother hadn't heard of him till last night. <laughs> Honest to God. And I got more. I got more for you because I got solutions. <laughs> the problem with 2018, according to you youngsters out there, is us old farts come to the table with complaints and no solutions. I've got solutions for you, okay? This is for Boudreaux, who, by the way, I like. I feel bad for him on nights like last night. I I feel bad for this guy on nights like last night. How close were you to, to maybe pulling him at the end after the third goal? I wasn't going to pull him tonight. He was going to be in for all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, how are you concerned just coming off the last game to the way that those goals went in tonight? Um, well, I'm, I'm always concerned, but uh, I'm concerned by more than one one player at this point. Uh, um, uh, you know, there was a couple defensemen that were minus four tonight. Mm-hmm. We're talking about making bad decisions and that. And I feel bad for this guy. Well, I think they got that goal in the third, and they looked around and said, "Holy crap, we're in the game. Well, let's let's win it," because they hadn't been in a game in a long time. So they picked it up. They were playing for their young goalie. And we stood around and did nothing. So I come to you with two immediate solutions that are very simple. They might upset people, but I don't give a damn after what we saw last night. All right. Well, I'm going to start with Ryan Suter, who some people have claimed runs this team. I don't know if that's true or not, but sometimes I wonder about that. All right. Matthew Dumba, who is gifted offensively, but is not a great defensive defenseman. He's a guy that a lot of people are down on all the time, and he has struggles defensively, okay? But he's got a great slap shot. He's going to have some terrible nights, but he's going to have some big nights. But a couple, but last week, I think it was after the Senators game when he played well and had quite a few points in that game. I think he had two goals that night. If I'm not mistaken, I asked Boudreaux about him, and Boudreaux, instead of singing Dumba's praises, was sort of cautious and mentioned that he could play better defensively. And so you thought to yourself, well, that's interesting. Well, as Michael Russo in The Athletic pointed out, Matthew Dumba is now playing with Jonas Brodeen, and they were together last night. That's because he had a poor defensive game against Chicago, I believe now a week ago Sunday. He had been paired with Ryan Suter. The theory is that basically to make Ryan feel better about himself, they put Ryan Suter back with Jared Spurgeon, and flipped Dumba to play with Brodeen, who's not a bad player, but he's not Suter. All right? Since that time, that's been three games that Suter has played with what is his pseudo-security blanket and Spurgeon instead of playing with Dumba. (laughs) In those three games, the Minnesota Wild has given up 10 goals, and Matthew Dumba's defense looks even worse. I said this last year. When they put Suter and and Dumba together, and I knew that Suter didn't like it, I wrote this. 
Ryan Suter's a security blanket. He's good at what he can do. He's good at what he does well. Matthew Dumba has flair. I don't care if Ryan Suter's happy. I don't care if he's sad. I don't care if he's mad. He should be playing with Matthew Dumba. It's a stabilizing player. This is very, very simple. You go to Ryan today, you play Columbus tomorrow night, and you say, Ryan, you're back with Dumba. Shut up. I don't want to hear a word. We're not here. You're you're signed long-term. You're playing with who we tell you to play with. Jared Spurgeon's playing with somebody else. We are better defensively that way. The other guy is this guy. You know, I felt extremely good all year just as far as plays and, and different situations in the game. So it's a strange little three-game stretch here. But, you know, the worst thing you can do is let it affect um, the things that, that have been going well all year. So uh, it becomes a challenge as part of sports, and, mm-hmm. and you got to work a little harder. Where is Alex Stalock? I've been begging for Alex Stalock to play more all season long. And De- listen, Devin Dubnik got off to an unbelievable start. He, it was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. But there is always, it's like the weather, the Dubnik swoon is always right around the corner. And the more you play him, the quicker the swoon hits you. Once again, from the athletic uh, Russo's piece today on the Wild Coyotes game. Devin Dubnik to start the season, and he held them in games. Mm-hmm. He held them in games. 8-3-2 record, 2.13 goals against average, and a 9.33 save percentage to start the season. Outstanding. Mm-hmm. In his last five starts, Manny Hill, Devin Dubnik, 1-3, and 3.74 goals against, sa- save percentage, dips from 9.33 to 8.60. Ooh. In his last three starts, so the statistics I just gave you was the five starts. Mm-hmm. In his last three starts, Devin Dubnik has given up eight third-period goals. Ooh. He was in three starts? In his last three starts. Ooh. He was lifted against Ottawa. He mm-hmm. didn't like it, but it worked perfectly. I would have argued he probably shouldn't have played that game. He was sick against the Jets on Friday. So that was Wednesday, Friday. He got sick on Thanksgiving Day, I guess. So he was unable to play and wasn't even at the Jets game. Stalock started that game, and the Wild rallied from a 2-0 deficit to win. Mm-hmm. Last night, he was fighting the puck all night long. And that's why... When Bruce is asked about this, it's a legitimate question, and this guy simply needs to accept that Alex Dalak has to play more. How close were you to, to maybe pulling Duden at the end after the third goal? I wasn't going to pull him tonight. He was going to be in for all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, how are you concerned just coming off the last game to the way that those goals went in tonight? Um, well, I'm, I'm always concerned, but uh, I'm concerned by more than one one player at this point. Uh, um, you know, there was a couple defensemen that were minus four tonight. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about making bad decisions and that. And I come with gripes. I come with solutions. Krasinski joins us next. Sit tight. The Mackie and Judd show will continue in a moment. Do I have your word on that, sir? Mackie and Judd. Absolutely. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd now continue. What now? What now? Let me tell you what now. Mackie and Judd. On 1500 ESPN. All right, let's check traffic here in the TCL Broadcast Studios. 35W southbound. We got a vehicle spun out on Minneapolis between 3rd Street and 11th Avenue. That's causing a seven-minute delay. And uh, 94 westbound, we got a crash in Brooklyn Center between 49th Avenue North and Highway 116. Extra minutes to your commute there, Judd. Thank you, Manny Hill. Take a deep breath from the TCL uh, Broadcast Studios. And uh, bring into the conversation our buddy John Krasinski from The Athletic. What's going on, Johnny? How are you? 
Hey, Judley, how's it going, man? It's going good. Do you miss the drama? I mean, every day now, you're not, no more Jimmy Butler updates, no more feuds, no more ESPN flying into town. Do you miss all of the drama? Well, I, I guess, you know, now that we're divorced from it a little bit and a little have a little distance, I mean, you, you kind of miss the competitive part of it, right? And yeah. you're getting in there and trying to, trying to win every day and and find things out and report things that others aren't getting and, and tell the story uh, the accurate way. But um, I would be lying if I said I missed it right now because <laughs> it was two months of just ridiculous drama every single day. And so it's nice to be able to concentrate just on the basketball. Let's look at the basketball. <laughs> let's, let's evaluate what we're seeing in front of us. Let's not have you know a, a three-ring circus every single day. Um, so that has been a welcome change. Everyone's just lighter around here. Everyone's, you know, not as miserable, and and so that's that's a, a very good thing right now. Six and two also since that trade. What is yeah. your take on this team right now? And and are you are you close to believing that this is really them? Is are they going to regress a bit? Where does this team stand in your mind now, post Jimmy Butler? Well, I, I do think that chemistry-wise, it's, it's light years ahead of where it was, and that needed to change. And so I do think that the personalities now mesh a lot better than they did when Jimmy Butler was here. There's a more of an established pecking order with Towns at the top, and you have, obviously, Derrick Rose playing really well. But I think you know, Robert Covington and Dario Saric really fit in from a personality standpoint, and, and it just feels like... They are more of a team today than they have been in the last year and a half, frankly. Even last year, when they were winning 47 games and going to the playoffs, they were not the cohesive team that they have been in these last eight games. They, have, they are markedly better defensively. They lead the league in defensive rating in the last eight games since, um, since they made the trade. Now, all of that said, it's very small sample size. We can't make any grand conclusions yet. They've beaten Brooklyn twice, Cleveland once, Chicago once in that, you know, in this six game, six wins here. So I really think that this homestand is going to give us a lot more of an indication of how far they've come. San Antonio tonight, Boston Saturday, Houston and Charlotte next week. Um, those are much better teams um, and will be much better barometers for exactly where they stand. But certainly, these last eight games have been huge steps in the right direction from where they were, which was a complete dumpster fire. Johnny, what's, what's your takeaways from Robert Covington specifically coming in? Because mm-hmm. he, I've just, and, and me and Danny and Dane talked about this on the podcast yesterday about it, it sounds like Covington and Cat have really started to develop a, yeah. a pretty strong relationship and that they're getting, getting along really well. There's good chemistry there. But in terms of just, on the basketball court, defensively, what he's added, and off the basketball court, uh, just with the chemistry and, and uh, in, in the locker room stuff that he's added, what, what differences have you seen with him specifically? Yeah, man, he's been a breath of fresh air to have in here. Um, he does, he, he's a, an incredible defender. I mean, first team all NBA, but I, I don't think people really knew how good he was while he was in Philadelphia and while we, you know, we saw him twice a year when he was there, um, he can cover every position on the court. Uh, he has an unbelievable ability to kind of leak off of the guy he's defending and just, you know, find 
a a driving point guard or, or wing player and just wrestle the ball away from them and head back up the court. He's amazing that way. He's great with deflections. He's great blocking shots. Uh, he's just he, he's really legitimately one of the very best defensive players in the league. And I think the rest of the team has fed off of his energy that way because it is very positive energy. He's a he's a lighthearted guy. He has connected with Towns in a way that Jimmy Butler was not able to, in a way that a lot of players, quite frankly, were not able to, um, uh, you know, prior to his arrival. And I think that you can just see the two of them forming this bond that is going to be so important for this team going forward. And um, and, and the, here's the, the the last thing that's really impressed me about Covington, Manny, is that. Even on nights where he cannot hit a shot, which was he was one for seventeen a couple of nights ago, he still finds a way to make an impact and and help you win games, grabbing rebounds, getting steals, blocking shots, locking up uh, other perimeter players uh, on the other team. He's he he doesn't have to hit five threes in a game to to really uh, be effective, and so uh, that that has been huge for this team. Um, you know, and especially when you juxtapose it with a guy like Andrew Wiggins, who just has not been able to be able to find a, a way to be that impactful in other areas if he's not scoring well. All right, let's go there. No points yeah. against the Bulls. Uh, benched it at the end of the Cavs game and didn't play. What what should we expect at this point? I mean, when it comes to Andrew. You know, clearly we're not talking at this point in time about anything close to. Uh, resembling a superstar, Johnny Krasinski. Mm-hmm. What's the realistic expectation right now as we watch this guy's career unfold? And mind you, this is year one of a max contract. Yeah, I'll say, Judd, um, yeah, he's been uh, obviously underwhelming to start the season. There's no question about it. And um, that's the problem. Even the other night when he, when he was scoreless, he didn't grab a rebound, right? He didn't right. have an assist or maybe one assist. Um, he wasn't doing anything else to help the team. And that's where I really think that, you know, Tibbs has taken plenty of arrows here in this town, um, many of them deserved. But one thing that I really liked that he did against Cleveland was, okay, Andrew, you're not bringing the energy. You're not doing other things that we need you to do. You're not going to play in the fourth quarter. We're going to put Derrick Rose in, who has been phenomenal for us um, in terms of, uh, you know, not only just shot making and scoring, but just bringing energy and effort. And so you, you wonder that I, I think it was a good move on Tibbs part. I think he should continue to do it. If this, if he continues to have issues with, with Wiggins on the energy level to see if maybe that's the way you get to him, because, you know, for the most part in his first four years, four plus years here with the Wolves, He's been able to play 37 minutes a night no matter what he was doing, whether he was scoring 31 or whether he was scoring 12 on, on 18 shots. So there has to be some sort of consequences involved if you're not doing the things that they need you to be doing, and that's the first we've really seen of it was in that Cleveland game. Okay, Andrew, you're just not going to play. And we'll see if that is, finds a way to get to him and if that turns the light bulb on because so far other things just haven't worked.
So, Johnny, why didn't Tibbs come out and say that then? Because he he said that the Cavs were playing a zone defense, and he mm-hmm. sort he sort mm-hmm. of he sort of tried to um, uh, step around that question. If you're going to do that, why not just say until he plays up to what, what our expectations are? At times, he's not going to play. Well, I think that's actually another smart thing on Tibbs's part is knowing the player and how he may re- respond to something like that publicly. Um, you know, Wiggins is a guy who is cerebral, and and you could you you could risk losing him completely if you haven't already by blowing him up publicly like that. You don't have to do that um, if you if you've already sat him down uh, and and aren't playing him. You don't have to pile on by by just you know saying, "Look, he's terrible. We have to. He's got to be better." All of these things. Um, you make excuses for him publicly because that shows. Andrew Wiggins, that you're not there to show him up, but it also you're able to hold him accountable by not playing him. I remember Carl Anthony Towns' rookie year. He did not play in a few fourth quarters early on in the season. Yeah. Sam Mitchell benched him because he was not playing very much defense. And but when Mitchell was asked about it after the games, he took a lot of you know arrows and 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 and, and hard questions, but he didn't say I need more from Cat defensively. If he's going to be in the game, he said, hey, this is a long season. I want to make sure he doesn't hit the rookie wall. He's going to play a ton of minutes. We're just going, to, we're, we're just going about this. But everyone knew behind the scenes the reality of it, and I think that got through to town. And so I think that's what they're trying to do here with Wiggins. And I think, again, I think it's smart. I don't think he needs to go Zimmer and go at halftime and give the, the sideline reporter uh, any ammunition and just throw him under the bus publicly like that. And, Johnny, the, the troubling part about this whole thing with Andrew is that for and, – and we kind of talked about this with Kat, too, where with Jimmy being in the locker room and being such a strong personality mm-hmm. and then on the court, Jimmy dominating the ball and it just sort of took Andrew out of the game at times and that's why he was struggling. Well, now Jimmy's gone and Andrew's getting even more opportunities to, to have the ball in his hands and to make things happen and it's just not – now, even post Jimmy, it's still just it's it's worse. And and I don't at this point, it's like where do they even go from here uh, with him? Well, I think yeah. I mean, Manny, I think that you you, you at some point, you, as maddening as it might sound, they have no other choice but to be patient in some regard. Yeah. Now that means they, they they can still sit him down, they can still you know, reduce his minutes and things like that. But the only way that this sort of iteration of the new look wolves is going to work over the long term is if they find a way to get Andrew at least to being an above average starter, you know, and, and to being that kind of a player and, and helping work through these gulfs in production that happens uh, consistently with him. And so I, I think they just have to find a way to stay the course, keep trying different things, see what's going to reach him because you can't just give up on him because of that contract and the way that it hamstrings you going forward. You have to find a way to make it work. And, and, and so, um, you know, throwing, their, throwing your hands up and pulling your hair out isn't going to do anything in this situation. They've, gotta, they've just got to keep pressing forward and see if they can find another button to push. How safe is Tibbs? <laughs> uh, I mean, he's not safe. Uh, you know, he's that laughs I, at a lot, Johnny. Yeah, well, I mean, he, that's just the reality of the situation, Judd. I, I mean, know, yeah. Um, you know, he they are winning now, which is a good step in the right direction. 
Um, but given how poorly the whole Jimmy Butler thing went, he did cash in whatever credibility or equity he had in the organ within the organization, which was already, I think, pretty low um, during that that really unbelievable um, episode, uh, you know, season or two month episode. So uh, he's got to win and win at an incredibly high level to keep his job. There's no question about that, and. It, it doesn't mean that he's definitely out. It doesn't mean it's 100%. Um, it doesn't mean that it's beyond salvation. But it also does mean that he's got a ton of work to do to climb out of this hole that he's dug for himself. And um, there's not going to be any kind of, you know, a 6-2 and two run, a 12-3 and three run is not going to be enough to solidify it. They're going to have to, I think, make the playoffs. Um, and they're probably going to have to do, and they might even have to do a little bit more for him Woo! to stick around here. So, See you, Tommy. you know, that's, that, that's, that's it. You know, that's, that's just, that's the reality of his situation here. And, and it's, again, not beyond salvation, but he's got his work cut out for him. Thank you, John Krasinski. Appreciate you, the time. You got it, guys. Thanks. Johnny Kate, The Athletic, check out his work. Uh, it's a subscriber-based site, but it is very good. He does great work, Russo on the Wild, and uh, plenty of good stuff at The Athletic, so check that out. Tom Chorsky, Fox Sports North, joins us next to talk about the boys of winter who, um, let's just say, did something down their leg last night that wasn't too good. Mackie and Judd resume things following these messages. That's just about the most fantastic scheme I've heard to date. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd are back. You're about to make a whole lot of people around here real happy. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios on 1500 ESPN. Archibald scores! Well, that's not going to ease anything. And they score! Dubnik looked like he thought he had the puck. And the Coyotes have tied it. Well, I think they got that goal in the third, and they looked around and said, holy crap, we're in the game, but let's, let's win it, because they hadn't been in a game in a long time. So they picked it up. They were playing for their young goalie, and we stood around and did nothing. That was Boods last night, Bruce Boudreaux, after an epic wild meltdown in the third period to lose a game to the Arizona Coyotes, who, as I said before, haven't made the playoffs in six years. Tom Chorsky, Fox Sports North, uh, does plenty of work on their wild telecast, joins us now. All right, sir, what uh, what are your thoughts about that game? Because a, lo- a lot of the equity that I felt that this team built up with me in the first part of the season, I see a loss like that, and I can't help but think, this is them. There's times where I can't explain it, and it drives you crazy. Yeah, I, I, think, that's, um, I think that's fair for you to, to feel that way. Um, I, I was at a loss as well a little bit because um, – you know, they they appeared that they, and like you said, there's some equity buildup that this is a team that was starting to um, be able to, you know, go down by a goal and come back and win or mount rallies and, and win games um, by, the, by the third period. And I was down at practice this week prior to that game, uh, even the day before the game, and kind of starting to ask, like, trying to ask that some of the players and even, even the coach, hey, you know, what – what is it about this team that's got them so much stronger than from the beginning of the season? Because um, I just felt like for them to kind of have this new identity of being able to 
um, come back from losses or, go, you know, give up the first goal and then still bounce back. And that wasn't their identity or their capabilities, you know, in, in the past seasons, I felt. So anyway, um, no one was really giving me any real solid answer. They couldn't really put their finger on it except to say that, hey, we got a good team in here and we're confident and, and we don't get rattled and things like that. Well, last night, you know, they, they, they started to look like the same thing. They went down by a goal. By the first period, they had tied it up. Charlie Cole's nice goal um, with a great feed from Miko Koivu. And it looked like, okay, this is going to work out fine. It's Arizona. They've got, they got beat 6-1 to one on Sunday and 5-1 to one before that by Colorado. Sunday was Calgary. And you kind of thought, okay, we're going we're gonna to be able to handle this one. And then it just, second period, they only, Wild allow one shot on net. Yes. Third period, third period they lose the game. Couldn't, <laughs> could not hardly explain it. And, Tommy, the time of possession of the puck in, in the second period was astronomical. I mean, Arizona di- Arizona didn't just have one shot on goal in that period. Arizona didn't have the hockey puck. That's what amazed right. me. Yeah, and, you know, I think in hindsight and looking back, in in the game we were kind of trying to put together the, the post-game show, and I was kind of trying to – I was having a hard time, I'll be honest, coming up with, well, what can we – what can we talk about? What are some real obvious, you know, elements to, to this game? And we, we typically kind of try to have it packaged up in our heads anyway by the end of the second period. And I was having a really hard time coming to terms with, okay, well, the Wilder are up 3-1, to one, and what, you know, why? And really, you know, that the power play goal that Zach Breezy had scored, which was great that Zach scored, and it was a very Zach-like goal, um, it was fluky. It was a shot that went errant off the plexiglass, flew up over the you know their heads, came down, and Zach hit it out of midair, which was a great play by him. But it wasn't like it was a a, a well executed play by the power play unit. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 so really the only great play, you know, the, the the first goal was a good play, and then Zucker's goal was nice. They 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 sort of intercepted a puck in the neutral zone and a quick regroup, nice pass from Spurgeon, and Zucker came across the blue line and changed his angle of his shot by pulling the puck into his body and then releasing a really good snapshot, and it went high, and it was a beautiful goal. Um, you know, those were kind of individual efforts, and I, I, I couldn't find any trends of why the Wild were, you know, were dominating. And then you look back, and while they only got um, one shot against the Wild, and, and I think the Wild had like five shots on that, or eight, eight in a second, and... Um, you know, I think Arizona was, was probably defending pretty well, and, and, and we, those shots that we got, and it was only eight, um, probably weren't too threatening, you know. So right. they maybe went, they went in the room and felt like, hey, they're not getting anything. We're, we're fine defending. Who cares if we got one shot? You know, we're in the game, and sure enough, it became three to two, and I was sitting with my colleagues, you know, my co-host, Audra, and, and the producer, and all of a sudden I turned to him and I said, these guys are one shot away from being back in this game. And <laughs> right. moments later, moments later, and it was a little bit of my experience. You know, I, I, I've, I've read this book, you know, and seen the movie. Um, it's not it a good movie, like, Tom. No, I know. And it wasn't good when I was a player and had to, had to live. You know, I didn't do, you don't live through a lot of these because they're, they're anomalies a little bit sometimes. But yep. back to your point, I do think you're, I want to validate your, your concerns. I mean, thank you. I, I appreciate there, that. There are, I think it's fair because there's been some, uh, as my old coach used to say, and I've probably used it before, but Tommy McVie used to say, guys, you're smoking in a dynamite shed. 
And it just means that, you know, the, the numbers weren't really adding up just because you've been winning and, you know, and it looks heroic that you're coming back from letting teams take the lead. Um, if you look a little deeper, it, it spells trouble. And now it looks like that might be the case. And, Tom, that, that is what concerns me. It's this, it's this fact. Three of the past four home games, the Wild has blown a third-period lead. They did it to the Sabres. They're up 2-1, to one and they, they lose 3-2. They do it the night before Thanksgiving to the Senators, and they pull Dubnik after the game gets tied at 4 and come back and win, and win 6-4. And so we're all thinking to ourselves, okay, it's fine. Uh, they then trail against the Jets, 2-zip going into the third period, rally to win that game, and we're really thinking that's impressive. But, you know, last night to me was sort of set in motion by by the Sabres and Sens game as well. So this isn't just a, a one-time thing, but this is where I, I get concerned about this team because, Tom Chorsky, this conference is incredibly tough. And if you slip up once, I think that's fine. But if you start to slip up, let's say in home games on a fairly consistent basis, you're going to have huge problems making the playoffs. Yeah, it's potentially the case. It is. It's a really tough, you know, it's a tough division. It's, it's, a, it's a tough conference. And every night's pretty tough, as, as every the coaches and players, you know, all kind of cliche now will say, and it's, there's some truth to it. Um, you're right, that Buffalo goal, it looked kind of fluky. Pominville, you know, ironically, it's Pominville, but he just kind of backhanded whacked a puck that, Found its way, had had seen eyes in their way, um, and then you know in the end they they let Ottawa slip up, and it looks like like Bruce has to pull the goalie in, in lieu of a timeout, but at the same time you know he probably was a little uneasy, and I didn't and I never really all the goals that go past Dubnik are not all Dubnik's fault. Correct. I mean if just the just the fact we should mention that um, Dumba and and Brodine were on the ice for all four goals as a pair. They were they were minus four. Yes. So and, and you know, how are how are those two guys giving up a breakaway for the winning goal? Um and the tying goal, they both ended up below the goal line playing the puck and puck carrier and Grab Grabner was all alone in front and, and was able to, you know, kind of somehow get the puck he just batted it past Brut Dubnik. But um, so it's not all all Dubnik's fault, but collectively, um, it seems like what a team that seemed a little bit ago like, wow, these guys are very um, they're very resilient, they're very um, cohesive right now. There's a lot of um, synchronicity in their play, which I was highlighting on how they've been scoring goals by entering the zone and possessing the puck and making plays. Not you know for a little while here, we weren't seeing. And hearing, oh, we gotta get pucks behind their D and then go to work. It was, you know, which, which to me is it's a strategy and a tactic. But when the, you know, the really good teams and the good players and and you know any of these players, theoretically or you know typically, they'd rather enter the zone with possession and and make a play. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work to to chip the puck in and then make it be a fifty-fifty race. Or you know, worse, you know, you, they're going to get to it first, and then you got to bang them and battle them and wrestle them and fight them. Um, that's a lot of work, and and so you know, the the, the players would rather possess the puck and regroup in the neutral zone and and come in with some speed and hopefully some numbers and some some layers to their offense and and make a couple passes and get a good scoring chance. Um, we were seeing some of that, so I thought that the team had gotten real confident. 
was playing, uh, in, you know, kind of cohesive and, and with some, as I said, synchronicity. But last night, after I did that piece yep. in the pregame show, I didn't see that type of play during the game. And I guess that was something that caused me some concern. They were scoring goals, but it wasn't these line rushes and, and creating odd man rushes. They had, Zuckers was a one-on-two, I think, or one, kind of a one-on-one, and he made a good shot and a good play, mm-hmm. but it was from 20 feet out. Um, Koibu and Coyle, great play, but it was through traffic, and it, it, wasn't, it wasn't like a well-executed you know, zone entry, as they say. So I don't know. I guess they, they, they got away from that, and it looked like they were going to survive, but the bottom fell out, and maybe the true, you know, kind of the true data that was happening uh, was revealed. Back to Dubnik. I don't. I agree with you. The goals certainly aren't all his fault. But to go back to, I believe the last time that you joined the show and our conversation back then, I do firmly believe that there is no compelling case for not playing Staylock more. I really think he should just play play more. I don't. I think he's a good goaltender. I think he brings something, and just as importantly. I think you prevent the, the Dubnik swoon because the one thing is if you pile on this guy and play him day after day after day, I think I think we have seen in the past few years he just starts to wear down Tom Chorsky. Yeah, or maybe maybe not quite as sharp. You know, there's a fine right. line. There's a fine line it, probably for any player, you know, to, to keep their edge um, in any position if they're not being challenged, um, if if they're not willing to be coached. Um, if they're not willing to look hard at, at their game, um, and, and for goalies, it's having a backup or having to, to share the net more often. And then for the skaters, whether you're D or forward, it's you know, either being hard on yourself or allowing coaches to be hard on you um, if you're an everyday player, um, which most of the guys are. Uh, you know, you'll lose your edge. It's just human nature to want to settle into a little bit more comfort zone Mm -hmm. and and i think i think that happened a little bit um you know over this past period of time as well um with dubnik and with staylock i i didn't like the first goal that they scored on on dubnik because he was the shooter was being challenged and it was this archibald who's actually from brainerd played at brainerd high school and then went to um nebraska omaha and and had a pretty nice college career that we never really heard about because he was kind of out of sight and out of mind and out of the, the league that we follow. But um, he uh, he was being challenged. He was he was he had clearly committed to taking the shot, and Dubnik went down, and the puck went over him, over his shoulder, high you know high out under the bar. That one I wasn't crazy about. I I think goalies should be able to read the situation and know if a guy's shooting from 15 feet out or more and he's being contested and there's no one around it for a rebound or a pass, they should, I think, and I'm no goalie coach and I could be completely wrong, but I think the goalie should, you know, maybe recognize that and move out whatever it's, five or six inches and, and stay standing up, especially when you're six six and, and the puck is probably going to hit you. Um, but back to your point. Staylock, I do think there is no compelling reason for him not to play. I agree with you, especially now. Um, he, he beat, you know, he, he's beaten some good teams. He's played well. Uh, he's got a, he's got a very good record. Uh, and so whether he's been on the road or at home, uh, he's proven that he's pretty darn good. And at this point, you know, I think you should play him a little bit more until, until he proves that he can't play, you know, that much. Amen. Thank you, Tom Trosky. Appreciate the time. Take care. 
Yeah, thanks. Bye. Talk, talk to you. Tom Jorsky, of course, a uh, former golfer, National Hockey League player, and now you can uh, check him out pre-post game on Fox Sports North. Take a break, come back. Mackie joins the show at uh, 4 o'clock. We're in the TCL Broadcast Studios. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Oh, that's just what they'll be expecting us to do. On 1500 ESPN. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios. Please keep working during the following announcement. Mackie and Judd are back on 1500 ESPN. All righty, time to check your traffic. And we know with the weather conditions uh, changing out there, people, you got to start being a little bit more careful. Highway 100 southbound, we've got a vehicle spun out in St. Louis Park between 394 and Cedar Lake Road. 22-minute delay. 35W southbound, vehicle spun out. Minneapolis, 3rd Street and 11th Avenue, 14-minute delay. Folks, when the snow's coming down, you gotta drive carefully. TCL Broadcast Studios, Mackie and Judd. Phil's going to join the show at 4 o'clock. By the way, I forgot to say our uh, 1500 ESPN Twitter poll of the day is posted. How far do you see the Wild going this season? No playoffs. First round exit again. Conference finals run or Stanley Cup. Right now, um, 9% saying no playoffs. 68% saying first round exit again. 14% saying a run of the conference finals. And 9% of you are smoking pot and say that there's a Stanley Cup <laughs> chance. And you know what? That's fine. I have no problem with that. I'm not passing judgment. I'm just saying clearly 9% of you are hot. Right now, I'm sticking with my with my write that down from no a few weeks ago. No, that they'd make the playoffs oh, and win a playoffs. series. Okay, okay. Well, good, good luck with that. After what I saw last night, <laughs> Jonathan Harrison, what, why don't you tell us the um, Jared Allen related <laughs> nugget that you came across? Because um, this is something that I had heard about, but I didn't realize he was this far down this road. Yeah, so this popped up on Twitter that Jared Allen is taking place or is taking part in a curling tournament up in Eveleth, Minnesota, this weekend. That's the purse's $19,000 for the winning team, 20 men's teams. Uh, he is on a team that in, that features Mark Bulger as well. <laughs> yes, that Mark Bulger that from Mark, the yeah. NFL. The former Ram? The yes. former Ram and Raven quarterback. Very much quarterback. the same guy. Yep. I had I now who who told Mackie and I, I'm trying to remember, was this during the Super Bowl week when, during our time on Radio Row at the Mall of America. I think so. Somebody told us that Jared Allen had gotten into curling and was like hardcore. Yeah. And was taking lessons and was and he's he's a good enough athlete that if he applies himself, he'll be probably the very problem good. for them in this tournament is their first game is against Team Schuster. Oh, it is? <laughs> yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Go wait get him, boys. Wait a second. Go get him. Now is that fair? I mean, Team Schuster, shouldn't they be, shouldn't these guys be in a different bracket where they actually have a chance to win? It's like I, going up against the Golden State Warriors in the I, first round of the playoffs. You're you're an eight seed and you're going up against eight the top seed. seeded. Yeah. This is probably like a, like a, a, a 32 seed. You know, this is probably way down. According to what I'm reading on this website, it's the entry fee is 900 bucks per team, so it's it seems pretty serious. Wait, what's Team Schuster involved in a 900 bucks? <laughs> that, that's nothing. <laughs> Well, for Olympians, it might be. That, okay, I mean, it's that's not like weird. they're getting. It's not like they're getting paid NFL money. So Jared Allen's going to spend his weekend in Eveleth. Yeah. Okay. Curling with Mark Bulger. Good for him, I guess. <laughs> that's kind of his. That's. I mean, it's that's awesome. It's, though it's not his neck. Oh, of it the, is awesome. Eveleth is not Jared Allen's neck of the woods, but it's kind of like he likes that sort of area. It's not right? surprising. Yeah. I guess not. But I didn't realize that there. So. So their first round match is against Team Schuster, Jonathan. Yeah, according to what I'm reading. Okay, yeah. this makes no oh, this makes <laughs> you know no what? sense to me. You know what, Judd? Zero. Believe. You just got to believe they can win. 
I think they can win. I mean, you have two NFLers. Have you heard hour one today of the show? <laughs> why on you earth? Believe, why on earth would I start believing now? You got to believe. I believe in Jared Allen and Mark Bolger. You don't they're, believe. They're going to win. You don't believe. They're going to win. They're going to get it. it done. You're full of it. You, you know what? You don't believe for one second in Mark Balger. Jared Allen, you might. Mark Balger, you I don't. I believe you in Mark Balger. You are you know full what? of it. This is, this is UMBC knocking out Virginia in the NCAA tournament as a 16 seed winning for the first time. Jonathan, do you believe? I don't know, man. <laughs> Thank you. I love Jared Allen a lot, but I don't know if win. I believe that he can beat Team Schuster. They're going to get it done. Watch. You guys watch. I think it'd be they're awesome if it happened. 20 bucks. I'll bet you twenty bucks right now. I want to find out if no there's a chance. I want to find out if there's like a video stream for this because I want to watch this. This Le- will be awesome, legally or illegally. Yeah, it doesn't matter at that point. <laughs> They're gonna win twenty bucks. I didn't say that. Uh, ten bucks. Ten bucks. Okay. Ten bucks. They've got no no chance. Ten bucks. They've got no chance. Is this a? Did is this you know? Early, write that down. Did you got? It could be. <laughs> did you guys know that Team Schuster was was. I forget. Did, did they blow? They didn't blow the Gallahorn on Sunday. They did something at Sunday's Viking Packer game again. They're still being honored. How far are we? How far are we removed from the Winter Olympic Games? February last year, right? February of this year. February wasn't it? This, or year. this year. I'm yeah. sorry. Nine, this year. Yeah. You know what I mean. Almost ten months. Yeah, they're still being honored. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's tour. Minnesota. Are you surprised? You know what? You know what? They're, they're going to be distracted. Here. No, I'm not. For, but for I'm all the attention they're getting, they're going to be dis- for all the attention they got on Sunday. They're going to be distracted. Go. That's that's going to be the key to Jared Allen and Mark Bulger getting the victory. Ten bucks. Ten bucks. Mackie joins next. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Oakley Oakley on fifteen hundred ESPN. The South Dakota Stories, Volume Two. I could see beyond the Black Hills and the way they called for exploration. I could feel the air. The way it paints against skin and fills hungry lungs. I could hear the way the water ran for miles and the way the bison grazed. The way our boots meet the earth as we step past expected. I could imagine my time in South Dakota and I wish to go back because there's so much South Dakota, so little time.